Welcome into episode 42 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at by CA Simmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're, th- you're there. I tripped up on the intro. Oh, you never do that. <laughs> I said while you're there and in the middle of saying you are, I was like, while we're there, while you're there. So, it literally made me like jump almost. When that's where that. my brain gets through no problem. Yeah. Well, and also in the middle of reading that, I was about to be like, you know, here's everything we're having coming up on the podcast. And we have four topics today. So we just have a lot to get through. So my brain's already jumping ahead to everything. It's going to be another seven hour podcast. Because Did you notice topics? Did you notice that I didn't call them mini topics this week? Oh, look at that. They're just topics. They're all I'm just topics. That's probably good. They're all that's what topics. they are. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll hit on all four of these. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of UCF Memphis. Then since the last podcast we had, since we recorded early last week, we haven't had a chance to talk about AAC expansion, which that's something we need to get into. Uh, then we've got recruiting talk, which I know has, has been requested by uh, folks on Twitter. Maybe just one folk on Twitter. Um, shout out to you. And then we'll get into the UCF <laughs> and Temple. We'll get into the UCF and Temple uh, coming up at the weekend. So first off, UCF. I was laughing because you said folks on Twitter. I'm like, I only saw Mike say something. About yeah. It. And you're like, or folk. And I'm yeah. like, right, that makes <laughs> I realized that it made no sense to like pluralize it. Thought it made it sound better, but then it was just <laughs> I realized it was just us lying. So yeah. But uh you see we're off to a banner start. Really this are. podcast is just already like top really tier. Are. UCF won last Friday 24 to 7 over Memphis um at home in the bounce house. UCF's now four and three on the season. And we talked a little bit last week about how that game felt like it could have been a swing game where if UCF won it, they could go on to finish with maybe eight or nine wins. Yep. And now no one said nine. No oh. one said nine. Well, we said nine with the bowl game. Oh, with the bowl game. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 All Eight right. or nine that's, with that's the bowl correct. game. Um, and then if they lost, it could have been like, oh, this is not where we want to be. We're three and four and could be six and six season. But yeah, my bold prediction was eight and four if they beat Memphis and six and six if they don't. So yeah, congrats on the eight and four season. It's now been confirmed. <laughs> and I think we it's worth mentioning before we get into like a little bit of the breakdown is that UCF caught a little bit of a break with Memphis's quarterback being out like minutes before the game like we just found that out like within the hour before the game that they were going to be starting um not their true freshman quarterback I think it was a sophomore true sophomore retro sophomore uh lsu transfer peter parish um and yeah, is it really he, catching a break when like ucf still missing like multiple starters i feel like it's more just like it wasn't outmatched <laughs> like I'm, i don't know no i mean it isn't it is to an extent because they thought they were facing a true freshman yes he's a true freshman but he's the guy that's been running their offense week in and week out. So yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the defense looked better than it has, I think, uh, how many years now? If only what? there was a podcast out there that had talked about how, despite the score in the Cincinnati game, the defense had shown improvement and it was going to look better. If only there was a podcast that had mentioned that and predicted that. I can't, I can't think of one, but if only, man. Yeah. I wish we would have called that. I know. Um, but yeah, no, they looked they looked really, really good. And like I said, was against the backup quarterback, but I don't care. I really don't. Because you see, no, and still... honestly, it wasn't even like, I mean, there are games where like it's like, oh, well, if they'd had their quarterback, like that would have been a totally different game. That didn't really feel like one of those games because their O-line was just getting dominated. And I don't yeah. really see like how like their their typical starting quarterback is good for a true freshman. He's having a pretty solid year, but he's not like he's not like some elite Dylan Gabriel level quarterback where it's totally changing the outcome of the game. If he played, I, I don't think they're held to seven points if he plays. But I don't think Memphis like wins the game off of that. Yeah, no, not and the defense played. And that's the thing is we saw maybe for the first time this year, really what the, the like the vaunted defensive line that like we were promised during the offseason like this and even this obviously this was without without Kalia Davis did Ricky Barber play yes pretty sure he did okay didn't he so they had Ricky Barber they didn't have they didn't have Kalia because obviously Kalia's out for the season yeah but, Ricky played okay Big Cat had his best game of the season and that was after after the podcast where we talked about how he's been a bit of a letdown but he did he had he had two sacks in the game and, and just really was getting after the quarterback all night um, and that created opportunities for this young secondary to to come up with some some weird interceptions. So, two of the dumbest interceptions I've ever seen happen that game. Both of them off the, the like. Speaking of the quarterback, I, we need to do some sort of rule change in college football where that counts as an interception, but the quarterback doesn't get credited with it. Because like, I don't know what you're supposed to do with a quarter as a quarterback if your receiver for no reason bats it up in the air like a cat playing with yarn. And then another uh, uh, defender comes down with it. Like, I don't, I like, it's not on the quarterback at that point. Patrick Holmes' mom agrees with you. 
Is that is that a thing? Yeah, she was on Twitter like a couple weeks ago saying how like <laughs> start charging interceptions to wide receivers because you know what you'd never want is a starting NFL quarterback is your mom explaining why your picks don't count on Twitter. His like, family, that's, that's his, not a his family's something else. But wait, you don't like his brother? No, no comment. <laughs> no comment. Okay, no one does. Um, um, I all I know about literally, so I don't I don't really follow the NFL like that much. Yeah, and because it's really boring compared to other pro leagues that are out there and other sports leagues. But like I, I, the first time I heard of his brother was like the thing where he was like, do did a TikTok dance on like a, like a commemorative number for a player who died or something. That was like my first exposure to that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That seems bad. I don't know. Yeah. That's literally that's my only exposure to that guy. But that seems not great. Yeah. Not the not the brightest moment I've seen. But I, I don't know. I don't know all the circumstances around that. But anyway, um, before, the circumstances. I'm that. sure there's a whole story behind. It. It seemed like there was because some people were like, oh no, like the spot, the space wasn't actually blocked off. Like other people were standing there too, and I was just like, okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, so UCS defense looking good, looking good. And if that defense is how it's going to look the rest of the year, which maybe I'm just being like overly optimistic, which I've had a tendency to do, but I feel like like the de- there's no denying at this point the defense has basically been getting better every game. Absolutely. And Cincinnati, like we talked about, a lot of extenuating circumstances there, and both East Carolina and Memphis have been really good defensive performances. I mean, yeah. I just, it feels like that unit is really moving in the right direction and outside of SMU. Cause that's, that's SMU. I don't think there, if the defense plays like that, there's not a team on the schedule that can beat UCF. I don't no. think there's a team on the schedule that can be competitive with UCF. If the defense I, yeah. I don't really, I don't really see one if, if they play like that. Cause the only one I can think of that like has an offense that kind of would seem threatening would be Tulane. But if you Michael defense... Pratt is in concussion protocol currently, oh. and I'm not sure if he's going to be back in time for the UCF tournament. Okay, well, and that changes things too. But with Michael Pratt, I would say too. I would say Tulane. But even if, even with Michael Pratt, I think the way UCF's defense is playing right now, I still think UCF wins that game like pr- pretty handily, depending on what the offense does. But which you yeah. know me, I, and we're going to talk about the offense. But you know me, I'm I'm a big Tulane guy. I, I thought they were going to have a really good year. That did not happen, or even close. I, where I mean, I you, have you processed their only win is against their FCS opponent? It's weird too because like. They should be so much better than they are. They almost beat Oklahoma, who I guess isn't as good as everyone thought they were. But still, Oklahoma's undefeated. From my understanding, it seems like they had a little bit of the 2015 UCF syndrome where this was supposed to be a really good year. And then when it wasn't, things kind of spiraled. And now they're just kind of going through the motions because they played teams they should have beat and just yeah, happened. that makes sense. I mean, it's that's the thing is it was a big letdown for them not to finish that Oklahoma game and win the Oklahoma game. But you can't come out of that game and be like, oh, well, the season's done now. So I guess it must no, have been and it wasn't games, from that. Yeah, whatever games it was after that. The problem was they came out of that game and were like, "Whoa!" Like, like their fan base was like, "Wow, we just went toe to toe with Oklahoma. I, like, we're going to compete for the AAC. We're one of the best teams are on conference." And it turns out Oklahoma's just going to play like that with everybody. They got <laughs> ripped to shreds by Ole Miss. I think that started it, and then they lost a close one to UAB. And I think that at that point you're one in three, and that's when I think things spiral. Because since then they got blown out by East Carolina, blown out by Houston, blown out by SMU. Yeah. That's yeah, they're they've spiraled completely. Yeah, so is what it is. But we should talk about UCF's offense because I have my first major complaint of the Gus Malzahn era. Oh, I know what this is. Go ahead for it. Well, I've tweeted about it a lot, so if you follow me, you probably know what it is. Um, okay. Uh, If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that we are big Mikey Keene fans. Uh, obviously, Mikey Keene has not been like a superstar true freshman or anything close to that. He's been about what you mostly see from a true freshman with high upside. There are some mistakes, there are some not great moments, but there's also these moments, these little flashes of greatness. And we've seen that from Keen. We saw that again, That t- I, he had a couple great freaking throws in that game. That first touchdown to Brandon Johnson was awesome. The touchdown to our, our tall freshman tight end, as Gus Malzahn refer, uh, referred to him, that got dropped, <laughs> was a really, really good throw. He had some really good moments. He's not making too many stupid mistakes. The one glaring one was that like deep ball downfield into triple coverage that got picked. Not great. Happens to true freshman. Here's the thing. I think you should stick with Mikey Keene. I, I think there's no reason not to. He's a true freshman. You want to get into that experience, so it pays off down the road. If you're in the Joey Gatewood camp of let's just basically have like run the equivalent of a wildcat, but we call him a quarterback the whole game, like fine, you can do that too. Got to stop doing both. Got to stop trying to do both. And, and like it makes like that game, and I know UCF won by double digits, so I'm not going to be like, oh, it was a disaster because it wasn't. But like the way they used those quarterbacks didn't even make like a tiny little bit of sense. Like, let, let's let's recap the beginning of the game. Mikey Keene comes out as the starting quarterback. First drive, they pretty methodically march down the field. Nice touchdown. Okay, it looks good. 
Then I think they went three and out on the next mm. uh, drive. And then it, Gus was like, panic button. And it's Joey Gatewood for the next drive. Still doesn't work. Then the drive after that, it's still Joey Gatewood until third and four during the drive when it then when he then is like, okay, let's go back to Mikey so we can pass. And shocking, the play didn't work. I still like, I'm still waiting for someone to like, for someone to realize that like dual quarterback, all that stuff doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You need one guy to get in a rhythm. FSU actually tanked their entire season trying to mix it in with Milton and Travis. You have to pick a guy. If it's Joey, fine pick Joey, whatever. I don't think it's the right choice, but it's still better than this. Like the whole flip-flopping thing is just stupid. And it seems like Malzahn is like doubled down on it. Every time he gets asked, he's like, oh no, we're going to use both. They both give us a chance to win. It's like, you are literally hindering your offense for being effective by making sure no one is ever in a rhythm by doing that. I don't know if it's loyalty to Joey because Joey was like his guy from Auburn, or I don't know if it's just a lack of trust in Mikey, but honestly, you're four and three with so many injuries. Like who cares about trust at this point? Just let them learn. I don't know. You just got to pick one. Yeah, I was definitely not a fan at all of the way they they ran it on Friday. Um, the only thing I will say is, like, I understand if you're going to have some packages for Joey. Like, if you're going to get down in the, inside the 10-yard yeah. line and that's, like, that's what you want to do, sure, fine. But, like, the weird the weirdness of, like, mixing it up, like, giving one to one, giving one drive to one quarterback and then the next quarterback comes in on the next drive. And then, like you said, that third and four where Mikey comes in, in the middle of the drive, like, I don't know how anyone's ever supposed to find any kind of groove. And it's, it's just weird. Yeah. It's weird that he continues to like, I feel like he hasn't given, not that he, I guess, owes anyone a, a true, like d- detailed explanation, but like, I want to know what the thinking is behind that because he just, he says the same line every time he's, Oh, I don't like doing it, but it gives us the best chance to win. My, it's just like nothing that's happened on the field. I mean, UCF flat out lost the Navy game because of this strategy. I feel like that's yeah. fair to say. So yeah. what on the field is saying that this is the best way, this is, this is the best way to win. It's just not, there's just, there's no evidence whatsoever for that being the case. Um, Bailey's on mute now. I thought Bailey was going to talk. Should I just keep talking? My dogs were going crazy. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I I'm like, finished my statement waiting for your response. You're just looking at me and I'm like, Oh, that was really all I had to say. I was, I was waiting for the dogs to stop barking, <laughs> but no. So that's the thing is like, I understand wanting to give the defense, the opposing defenses different looks, but it's just the the way they're doing it isn't really isn't really working out. And what I do also kind of wonder is that, or is if Gus knowing or thinking that yes, they're going to get Dylan Gabriel back for at some point in the season, if he's kind of just like, all right, like if he does really believe that playing both of them gives him the best chance to win, which I still don't agree with. But if that's what he thinks, then like I don't think he's really thinking like, oh, let's let Mikey develop by just taking his hits and taking his lumps. But it's let's not about. I'm water. not saying let's... let Mikey develop so that he takes he takes the job from Dylan. It's Dylan's no, no. job as long as he's at UCF. But Mikey Keene is still presumably once Dylan's gone, whether that be next year or this year, I don't think it's gonna be this year. He's still he's gonna be the next man up or at the very least competing for it. So why would you not want to have as much experience? And it's in a season that's already shot. There are no goals left this season. That's no, that's what, so I'm not saying like he should be developing him to take over for Gabriel. I'm just saying, I think maybe he's thinking that the fact that if Gabriel wasn't coming back at all this season, I would think maybe he would say, all right, let's just like, let's stick with Mikey. But the fact that he might get Gabriel back in what, a few weeks, I don't know. Maybe he's just figuring like, all right, what can we do to win now? Like, what's the strategy for now? I'm not thinking about the future yet because we've got, we've got to win now until Dylan gets back and we've got Dylan all next year. So like, why, I don't know. Like why, why I get get that sacrifice. I guess some of the winning now, if you're going to develop keen, like why do that? I don't know. Maybe he's so not I thinking get that, that far take. advanced. That what you're saying makes sense. The part that doesn't make sense. And I know that you said you agree with it, but like we're just playing devil's advocate is yeah. the part that doesn't make sense is the, well, it's not helping you win. It's, yeah, it's hurting your offense it's, and, it, and it flat <laughs> game. So I don't, I don't get like, yeah. and like I said, if he, if he really is just more, if he just thinks Joey is a better quarterback, or whatever, then just go with Joey, but like stop flip-flopping, just stop. Cause what you're also doing is you're telling both quarterbacks, I don't trust you. You're literally telling both of them that, that neither of them are the guy. And honestly, he says, oh, we're going to keep doing it. Second half, there was way less Joey. And the offense did better. So Mikey, he had some bad moments. But again, it's with a quarterback. You have to let them get in a rhythm. You have to let them settle in. Like the the switching out quarterbacks, it just doesn't work. It never, ever works. We went through this in 2011. We were flopping between Blake and Godfrey. And that ended up being a five and seven seasons slotted between two 10-win years. I mean, it's just, it doesn't work. The the only time I can ever, I mean, I'm, there probably was other times, but the only time I can ever like recall in my lifetime that like it worked like as, as good as it could was didn't Florida do that with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. So here's the thing. Every single time that I've, that's tweeted, what's come up. That's people say, Oh, well, Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. I'm like, okay, can you name one other time? 
in the 150 years of college football. Can you tell me one other time it worked? And by the way, that same school is doing that right now and having a horrible year. Yeah. So like, it just, it doesn't work. I mean, it really doesn't. So at, at some point in this season, Florida, Florida state and UCF have all been doing this. Yes. And, so, and, and guess what? None of them are having the years they want yeah. to have. None of it's so, working out. Uh, so yeah. is USF, but USF, it's more out of desperation than so, like. Yeah. I don't think they're like, all right, let's just. I think they picked like, the guy. I barely. I watched USF's last game, and I know they beat Temple, but man, USF did not look good. But my, like I said, and I don't want people to like misinterpret this because, of course, like our wonderful fan. I I I, I got to say, someone who will remain remain anonymous, literally text me during the game. I think they should play Quadri. And I'm like, we're, I'm just not having this conversation. Like, I don't know. That what wasn't to me, say. was it? No, it was not you. Oh, okay. Uh, but I just, I don't know what to say that. Like, like I get people are like, oh, you know, Mikey Keen, like blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, again, he's a true freshman. I think he's gonna be really good down the road. But like, the, I, I, like, I don't know. I feel like there are people that just want Dylan Gabriel back. And that's, we all want Dylan Gabriel back. Yeah. We don't have a Dylan Gabriel right now. And by the way, these are the same people that when Dylan Gabriel is healthy, complain about Dylan Gabriel. Oh, so, so it's just, um, it's whatever that the point. same people I don't know. that are saying <laughs> should bring in Spencer Rattler next year. What is that about? I, I saw don't... that on Twitter. That people think that UCF should get Spencer Rattler. Are you kidding me? <sighs> I'll take even... Mikey Keene over have, Spencer Rattler. I don't have the energy to, to even talk about that. Yeah, it's we're not getting into that. Really but great. I still think Gus overall as a head coach is doing a great job. We're going to get that the podcast. I don't want anyone to turn this into like, wow, Christian's hopped off the Gus bus like or some dumb thing like that. This is going to come as a shock to some fans, but you can be annoyed with like individual things and not decide that the entire staff needs to be fired. I know that's a crazy, mm-hmm. crazy notion, crazy notion, but it is true. So that's where I'm at. Other than that, it was a really good performance, really good game. UCF win by double digits. Never going to be upset about that. Space uniforms look beautiful, but we'll get Memphis, to that later. Memphis still has not won a game in the bounce house. And they never will now. Well, I mean, they'll get out of the Big 12 eventually, right? I hope so. I hope so. That's probably more for our next topic. Yeah, <laughs> that, is now, that our next topic? Now, what's our, ne- what's our next, our next uh, topic? For now, they're in the AAC. And I honestly have on here that you're just going to explain everything that's gone down because you're the expansion guy. You're the guy that keeps up with all this stuff. I'm just kind of like, oh, wow, that's, so much. that's weird. But so <laughs> let me break let me break it down for you. Here's yeah. what happened. The AAC screwed up. And basically, all right, so, so, so let's go back to the beginning of all this. So you may not know this if you're listening to the podcast, but Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC. And uh, that came I out like over the summer. Happened. I feel like that happened like <laughs> eight months ago. It happened in July. Well, it, like the news came out in July. So let's follow the food chain. So Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. The Big 12 needs new teams. The Big 12 gets BYU, and they steal three AAC teams. UCF, you've heard of them, Houston, and Cincinnati. So now the, now the AAC needs new teams. So the AAC first, and this would have been great if they pulled it off. They said, we're going to go get Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State, and Air Force. Go get a Western wing. You would cripple the Mountain West. You would secure your spot as the by far best group of five league. You'd probably be able to compete with like the Pac-12 and the ACC and Big 12 for that level of two. So Boise State and San Diego State said no, because both those schools are under the impression they could be in the mix for the Big 12 in a few years. Um, Air Force and Colorado State initially said yes and then backed out. So AAC said, well, what should we do next? I know. Let's take a bunch of schools that suck at football. And that's pretty much what they did. So I, they took, so they literally, like, basically they looked around and said, well, what's the worst, like, what's the worst conference in college football? And they were like, oh, Conference USA, we should take their teams. Makes sense, right? So they added um, UAB, which was good. That was a good addition. They added FAU, also a good addition. They should have stopped there. They should have stopped there, but they said, no, we also want UTSA, Charlotte, Rice, freaking Rice, who like literally hasn't been good at football since like World War II. I couldn't tell you, like, I didn't realize that Rice had a football team. Did you really not? I don't think I'd. That's not even surprising because they're horrible. And then North Texas, who you may have heard of as a Conference USA team that wins four games every year. So here's, so I I need to give you a little realignment history really quickly so we can understand why the AAC made this decision. So 10 years ago, there was also realignment. It was way crazier than this, actually. It was everyone was hopping all over the place. And Conference USA and the Sun Belt were both rated and they took two opposing strategies. Conference USA said, we are going to add teams in big markets to up the value of our TV deal. Sunbelt said, we are going to go find the best, like the national championship level FCS teams, and we're going to build around strong fan bases and good programs. Okay, so here's what happened. Conference USA is horrible now, and Sunbelt Sunbelt is probably going to be the best group of five conference going forward. I don't know what happens where 10 years later, the AAC sees that and goes, we're going to do what Conference USA did 10 years ago. We're going to do the same thing. They just picked teams that are in big markets. That's all they did. And and their reason they're hiding behind is, oh, well, like 
these schools are investing money in football, which is true. They'll be the richest group of five conference. And, you know, well, it's good recruiting areas. Also true. But guess what? Those teams don't have fan bases and they're not good at football. I mean, you literally just voluntarily became not the best. group. There is no argument for that new AAC being the best group of five conference. The Sunbelt is by far a better league. It makes no sense. It was so stupid. It's just hilarious, though, that they went from adding like wanting to add Boise State, like going going Western like that and and adding those four schools. And then they ended up with what they ended up with. Like it's stupid. And it, and it's exactly what I was afraid of with the Big 12. We talked about this on a podcast a while ago that before we knew UCF was going to the Big 12, that I said the big one of the big mistakes the Big 12 can make is because some people are like, should they add like six teams or eight teams? And I said, the more teams you add, the less you're going to be perceived as you are. Like if the Big 12 added six group of five schools, then they're not going to look like a power five conference anymore. People aren't going to perceive them that way. They just added four, two thirds of the new league are currently power five. It still feels like a power five. It's still being called a power five. The AAC made that mistake. Almost half of the AAC is now going to be a bunch of nothing teams that are from Conference USA. So you just ruined your own brand. I mean, like, what do you, like, I, like, some of these teams are like high-fiving, like we've done it. We've achieved it. We're in the AAC now. It's like the conference that you want to be in is the AAC that exists now. This new AAC sucks. I mean, you've got Memphis and SMU who are really good, really good programs. You've got UAB who's like, could be that. And that's it. And then you've got a bunch of struggling programs. You've got, and you have no potential flagships at all. You've got USF that should be up there, but they're not. But at this rate, it's never going to be. East Carolina is kind of in that same boat. FA, yeah. FAU could be that eventually, but FA, FAU's biggest problem right now is they just don't have fans. I mean, their fan base just doesn't really exist as much as it should. So yeah. I don't know. This was just a, and then you've got, and then you got Sunbelt rating the rest of Conference USA, except they rated better ones. They took Southern Miss, Marshall, Old Dominion, and they're getting James Madison from FCS. Some of it's going to be a really good conference, and yeah. it's going to be way better than the AAC. Is there? I saw. I don't know. I saw this kind of stuff on Twitter, and I don't know if it was just conspiracy. Was there anything to like? Maybe it was just a theory. Is there anything to ESPN having a role in this and not wanting to destroy the Sun Belt? Because why? So, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if there was any reason. I, th- I thought I saw a reason given why as to why the AAC couldn't go get like App State and just better programs. So there is, there's been a long running theory, like even before this wave relimit that Oresco more or less just does what ESPN tells him to do. And ESPN says, go get these teams. And he goes, yes, sir. Yeah. He goes, yes, Mr. Editor. And he goes and gets the team. And uh, the thing is like, there's a little, I'm not not like crazy conspiracies, but like there's a little bit of evidence in that beyond all logic, Oresco is, and the AAC are completely confident their TV money will not change, which makes no sense absolutely no sense and if that happens it feels really conspiratorial but then the, the next question would be what is the motivation for espn to not want the AAC to get sunbelt teams and the prevailing theory is something like well espn likes it's really undervalued sunbelt tv deal so it doesn't want that to get torn up that's out the window anyway because the sunbelt added teams so the sunbelt's gonna yeah. get a new tv deal so i don't know but it, it's it, it's a little suspicious because these moves make no sense like i said the AAC's official explanation is that we have teams with, you know, they're in major markets, major airports, huge recruiting areas. Travel is going to be super easy, access to lots of high valued recruits. And, you know, we're in tons of big cities. So like, and I said, that's their, and like, it's a gamble. It might pay off if some of these teams actually rise up. But first off, it's 2021. The big cities thing doesn't mean anything anymore. So why are you leaning on that? The recruiting thing also doesn't mean anymore because it's not like, Sure, you're playing like like I understand the exposure of oh you get recruits come out and see you play. It's not like a bunch of four stars are suddenly interested in the AAC because Rice is in the conference. Like it's not a thing. <laughs> and that's the thing is like you said like this could work out, but like if, if it does, if it works out the way they think, like oh these these big markets can step up. Like how long is that going to take? Because like that's, that's the thing. Like UAB not- is close. UAB yeah. could be like a UCF Cincinnati type team within a couple of years. FAU also is in that realm. That's it. Rice, North Texas, Charlotte, they're years away from that. And then you look yeah. at the Sunbelt and they added James Madison, who can probably do it in like three or four years. You got Marshall, who's already kind of in that mix. Southern Miss, who can be if they get their crap together. It's like, but no, we went, you know, we went for the long play. We really, we really think North Texas is the future of our conference. I, I watch like so much college football and you do too, Bailey. Can you remember the last time you watched a North Texas game in any capacity? I think they played SMU at one point and I might've watched like a, there you go. A little bit of that game, but I don't even know when and that was. You think, I might have made AAC, that up too. you think the AAC is screwed now? Imagine how screwed they are when Memphis leaves in three years. Yeah. When the Big 12 expands. It's a bad conference now. It's a bad it's conference. Really bad. I, this is yeah. my rant. This is, I, I just, it, it's frustrating because I like, I know that like 
a lot of UCF fans are like, ha ha, suck Dancing it, on everyone's we're going to 12. And I'm just like, wow, way to be gracious, guys. Love it. But I, I mean, I liked the AAC. I, I thought it was a nice league. I, I mean, the, it, UCF didn't have any really natural like travel partners other than South Florida, but it was still, it was an enjoyable league. I would have liked to see it continue to do well because I like some of the fan bases in this league. I like SMU. I like Memphis. So it sucks that they basically just, they straight up waved the white flag and said, yeah. like, I, it, it makes no sense. And maybe UCF. I'm wrong. Maybe we'll look stupid in five years when UAB's in back-to-back near six bowls and FAU's winning 10 games every year. And Rice is maybe in a bowl. I don't know what looks like success there, but who knows? UCF, like UCF fans right now, like regarding the AAC or like that meme where the guy's like bent down by the grave and they're like, <laughs> you the, the peace, peace sign. sign. <laughs> like on the grave, it's like the AAC. But everyone's just like, make, like laughing it up. Like, ha ha ha. <laughs> Look at your I, conference I, now. <laughs> which I, again, I don't get, especially, it looks especially bad when UCF's having like two not great years in a row to be yeah. like, yeah, what are you going to do without us? It's like, I don't know, someone else will go seven and five. <laughs> like, yeah. I, which by the way, UCF, like from a, from an actual like school perspective and program perspective has been much more gracious than gracious than Cincinnati oh, yeah. who's straight up like wait Chris Vanini the athletic had an article that like that actually caused issues the whole Cincinnati <laughs> Big 12 thing like, it ruffled some feathers in the AAC's office and apparently some people within Cincinnati were really upset about it and then I'm like it was it was so the who day did after it? right it was the, it day, was the after. day after who ordered the flag and like said hey run out with well the now flag I want to know like did the cheerleaders just go rogue <laughs> like we're, we're we're in the Big 12 like I don't know but yeah, I got to say, know. big like Cincinnati fans, which running theme, Cincinnati fans suck. Like you think UCF fans are dancing on the AAC's grave. Cincinnati fans like are actually like just think the entire group of five sucks now. And they, <laughs> what's showing with Cincinnati fans is that they used to be in a power conference and clearly they kept that biased BS energy this whole time. And now they just get to show it again. Yeah, it was just under the surface for a little exactly. bit. Exactly. But now it's it's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a fun yeah. time right now. But also I love re- really. realignment so much fun and more stuff still going to happen because Conference USA is like. Uh, we got, still we, exists in we got to see what which fcs's are gonna jump up to the to the um fbs level it looks like that like sam houston who won the national championship this past year in fcs is a contender tarleton state who i have not heard of appears to be in the mix <laughs> wow. um tarleton state is so in the mix that they actually announced two days ago that they're expanding their stadium by ten thousand seats if if people hadn't like clicked off the podcast by now i think when you said tarleton state <laughs> i think i think our listeners just went way down oh you're not just in tarleton state you know what their nickname is <laughs> where is tarleton state well you'll know from their nickname what the texans oh my gosh and this is my favorite like horribly sexist thing is for a long time their women team their women's teams were known as the tex ands oh are you kidding me i thought you were, I thought you were gonna say the lady texans or something like that <laughs> the texans oh my god i just i love listen no none of you had heard of app state 10 years ago or like or like georgia southern i guess you still probably haven't heard of georgia southern or coastal carolina <laughs> so i mean you know yeah. but anyway i think it's stuff realignment sorry like i said i know it doesn't directly relate to ucf but i just how can we not talk about yeah. our current home and the yeah. changes they are making to become much worse at the sport of football <laughs> yeah so let's let's jump back into like Stuff that's pertinent to UCF. No, I have like to say one more thing. Oh I'd say gosh. one more thing. There's another thing the AAC clearly prioritized, and it was consolidating all of the FBS oh, the owls. owls in one conference. I don't know why, but congrats to the FAU Temple and Rice Owls for all now nesting together. That's really cool. But anyway, go ahead. All right, so let's get back into some direct UCF stuff. And UCF right now on the recruiting trail is cleaning up. And it's just been – it's been a big week, and this is why we're talking about it right now because this kind of topic is usually more like of – an off-season kind of thing, sometimes, most of the time. But with the most early the signing, with the early signing period and all that kind of stuff, like this stuff's year-round now. And the commitments that they got this week warranted us talking about this. So it was on Saturday, correct? They got Jordan McDonald, uh, their top running back commit out of Georgia, and then on Monday they got uh, twin twin defensive backs, Jakari and Damari Henderson from um, they're from Sanford, correct? Yes, I was mess- mixing the school and the yeah. Um, they came from the same school as Gabe Davis and not Gabe Davis. Yeah. Gabe Davis. Yeah. And Bam Moore and, and Bam Moore. Moore. Yeah. So UCF right now has its highest recruiting ranking ever at this point. What are they? They're 37th, right? They're 37th on 247, which is wild. That is crazy. Also, the, you're right. Sanford's the city. They're seminal. Seminal, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say like that the, they're like the Sanford Seminoles and I was like, no, I don't think that's right. So whatever. <laughs> the, 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 I got the city right. So. Yeah, but the the fact that UCF right now is this is Gus's first class, obviously, and like well, yeah, his first legit class anyway. Um, 
and just flat out his first full class signing day had passed hadn't it by when he was hired had it pretty sure it had well either way early signing period kind of kills the point of signing anyway but anyway that's true but yeah no i mean they're just like they they came in and said like we're gonna recruit like our hair is on fire we're gonna recruit florida we're gonna recruit like the state of orlando like they said in this like radius around um orlando and they've made made good on their promises so far and I mean, they're they're what two spots behind Florida, correct? Uh, no, no, a couple spots behind Auburn. Florida's Auburn. way up there. Florida's way up there. Let they're they're see. they're like they're like twenty something spots ahead of Miami. Yeah, and um, it's just it's just like wild to me that this is all happening. Like this is their first class, and you know UCF's in the middle of what we would consider a down year, and you know the the we're seeing maybe some of the effects of the Big Twelve stuff so far, but like we haven't even gotten a full cycle of all of that. And it, it's insane where this, this could take UCF. So Jason Beatty posted a super interesting thing to me that he said of the 11 prospects committed to UCF right now, seven of them play high school football within hundred miles of campus. That's... Like Gus was not messing around when he said his first day here, he said, he said everything they need is in a six hour radius. They don't need to, you, you don't need to go across the country. Like hypo like to do for some reason. <laughs> But, and I do want to preface this all with like, like, listen, recruiting rankings still don't matter nearly as much as people think they do. The problem is like, is it really good that UCF is 37? Yes, obviously it's great from a brand perspective. More importantly, it means that this staff identified guys that they think can help them win and got those guys. That's huge. But like the problem is some people, like a lot of people, actually, most people, I would say, look at recruiting rankings and think that it is a list of talent by school. Like, okay, so UCF now has the 37th most talent and before they have the 60th most. It's like really not that cut and dry, not even close to it. You just, it, some players pan out, some don't. Either way, still super encouraging. UCF has never recruited like this. I'm, I'd really, it, it, I almost wish that, well, I don't wish, but like it would have been interesting if the Big 12 stuff happened next year. Cause I'd be curious, like how much of this is malls on in the staff versus the UCF being able to throw around power five. Yeah. You know? It is, it I, it's is great either way. Like, I don't care which one's yeah. causing it, but it is interesting. I looked at UCF's, I, I pulled up UCF's classes since they've been in the AAC. So O'Leary's three AAC classes, they're ranked nationally 79th, 68th, 71st. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Frost had two classes, 65th and 55th. And then Hypel had four or three or two, depending on how you want to look at it. Because 2018, you can oh, kind yeah. of attribute to Frost, 2020, you kind of say, but whatever. The four that happened while Hypel was coached were 62nd, 60th 75th and 58th so fifth yeah that was a weird year so UCF's current class is 18 spots higher 18 spots higher than any other class from the AAC year I mean it's light years ahead of the other classes and it's got some guys who like probably can contribute right away and even if they don't within a couple years you're going to be key guys for UCF I mean it's really Jordan McDonald is really freaking good (laughs) that was the one I was going to say like people that can contribute right away you feel like he's one that's like wow He's Especially, do we know, can Bowser come back next year or does he have to leave? He's a grad transfer, isn't he? I think, uh, oh, with the COVID thing. I don't know how the COVID year works, but I'm assuming really Bowser won't be here next year, in yeah. which case that, yeah, yeah but RJ Harvey should be out there. Either way, huge there. Um, the Henderson twins, everybody wanted the freaking Henderson twins. Yeah. I, I, I don't want people to think this is, like, I know a lot of times, like, we as UCF fans are like, oh, look, this player had, like, 50 offers and we got him. Ha ha. It's like a lot of players have 50 offers. Miami badly wanted the Henderson twins, badly. Yeah. And, like, I just couldn't get them. Just couldn't get their attention because they were so set on UCF. Uh, Thomas Castellanos. Castellanos, am I pronouncing that right? Castellanos, yeah, I think so. Castellanos, okay. Um, I, he, he, as much as I love Mikey Keene, he is freaking awesome and yeah. is like the very like prototypical Gus Malzahn quarterback. And he, George is coming after him. Uh, Florida State's making a push for him apparently. And he, he just loves it and is committed. Yeah. So I, 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 so that's crazy to me. Like, like I don't, like, I, that's one of those like, pinch me moments where it's like both florida state and miami are going hard for ucf commits and can't get them i mean that's where we're at yeah and that's the thing too is like those are like the big stars and there's like there's depth in this class too yeah there's guys there's guys i know like not the flashier names but there's guys that committed earlier that people maybe because these guys have started to commit like people have forgotten that some there's some gems from earlier in the class too um it's a really good class two four stars they got two stars in this class yeah so i want to give you another stat which it's Top 100 state players by school they're committed to. So the top 100 players in Florida. FSU's got eight of them. Florida's got seven. UCF's got six. That's it. 
Miami's yeah. got two and USF, FAU, FAU, FIU have zero. I mean, UCF is recruiting up there with the big boys. And like I said, that's not like an immediate indicator for, okay, now UCF is going to suddenly be amazing. It doesn't always work that way. It often doesn't work that way. But one of the big things that's going to help with years like this is the big, like I said, this was 2017 UCF versus the playoff teams. Biggest difference between UCF and schools that put up top recruiting classes is depth. And now UCF is really going to start building that depth to prevent years like this, where you get injured and just can't feel the team. I mean, right. that's a huge thing. And there's guys that this staff is excited about, and we should be excited about as fans. Henderson twins are awesome. McDonald is awesome. Castellanos is awesome. Nikai Martinez is awesome. I was just about to I mean, say, I pulled yeah, up the I, list. I pulled up the list because I knew there were some guys that I was forgetting from like earlier on. Nikai Martinez committed a, you know, a while ago, right? And there's Keenan Thompson, Thompson is another Keenis one. Thompson. Yeah, another one. Um, Leighton Nelson's a local, local offensive lineman. Um, Let's see who else. How could we Miguel, Miguel Maldonado was yeah, well, Quan Lee, who's already asking about the transfer portal and decommitting. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Quan but... Lee like stresses me out with a tweet at least once a day. <laughs> it really is a thing that happens. Yeah. Cam yeah. Moore. Miguel Maldonado, who I think was the first recruit of Malzahn's, right? Yeah. TJ Bullard, who they're really excited. I mean, literally, yeah. basically, I, I know it's like every class. It's like, oh, like everyone in this class, there's a reason to be excited. Kaden Killer had some Big 12 interest. Grant, Grant Stevens, Stevens they flipped end. from Coastal. You gotta have a tight, tight end. end. <laughs> gotta have a tight end. Golish loved it. Jamal, yeah. I mean, the whole class, the whole class is just really, really solid. Oh, I forgot. You got Leighton Nelson, who publicly yeah. put Mullen on blast for over recruiting him. Did I know about this? Maybe I forgot about this story. I got to go back and read it though. If it's, uh... I hope I'm hope I'm the right guy now. Hold on, let me double check. Think... Yeah, if I remember, I'll double check. But Leighton Nelson said to the Sentinel that he. Oh, I vaguely remember. Got but... he it got frustrating with Mullen because they were just blowing up his phone nonstop and it was getting ridiculous. And I, I just. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm right. I'm right. You're right. You're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I it up. Yeah. But yeah. So we, are, so, we already so, like him a lot. So just to cl- so just to clarify, so UCF's gotten recruits that Florida, Florida State, and Miami went after, and they committed yep. UCF. And, and we are looking like geniuses, which you always love, even though we get lots of things wrong, most things wrong. Um, because remember, we talked we had a pod earlier before the season started about you know how different types of seasons change, yeah, yeah, you know, expectations. And we are unfortunately going through our nightmare scenario season that we planned just because yeah. of injuries. But and as we <laughs> predicted, it has had zero impact. on that was the they, one thing. In some ways, it's helped well, recruiting because guys know they can come in next year and contribute. Yeah, that was the one thing. I think that and I guess the Big 12 thing was um, the only two things really, I think, that for whatever record they had, we were like, yeah, there's not really going to get affected by it. It's not going to matter. And Yeah, yeah and that's, and that's that what way. we're seeing. I mean, you, you see like – did you see Thomas Castellanos posted a video of him and Gus in the locker room after the game? Yeah. And he, just look, he just looks so happy. Gus got his arm over his shoulder, like shouting together. And he and posted like, that, I think – I was, he posted that because there was all the FSU interest has been like been tweeted about and all that stuff, right? I saw I saw an article that said they're trying to set up his official visit and everything. Yeah, it was shortly after two four seven FSU said that FSU had circled back to Castellanos and was interested. Yeah, and then I know I saw was like he's yeah, yeah, and he was like 100 committed, and I was like, all right, <laughs> makes you feel better. Yeah, cause... I'm really excited for this class. This feels and like I said, you never know, but like I, this just kind of feels like a class that we're going to look back on a few years later and be like, man, like, especially like that Castellanos, Quan Lee, Jordan McDonald trio, that could be like, those could be like the three stars of a future UCF team. I mean, it really does. Feel yeah. That way. It's, it's definitely going to be exciting. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's move on to our final topic. UCF that's the Temple. last time we're talking about recruiting for like two months, three months. Well, we'll see. So until, until UCF lands like a five star. And like that, that's the other thing I want to say before real quick, before we move on is like, I like while 37 is great. I don't think it's going to stay there because we're kind of like, this is kind of it as far as guys that UCF is probably going to get. I know there's a couple more. I know the big one is four-star Curtis Perry. I don't think he's going to commit here, but we'll see. But so th- th- we're probably done with big splashes for this year. So the class is, rank might slip a little bit, but it's still a really great class. Yeah, I say which is completely fine. I mean, they've, they've gotten plenty of big, big splashes and, and even the like the, there's this depth to this class that's going to be really, really exciting. But yeah, let's go ahead and let's move into UCF and Temple. Um, we referenced it a little bit earlier that uh, South Florida beat Temple. Uh, in Tampa this past weekend and yeah Temple's had a weird year they're uh they're three and four and they've had their better moments against teams that aren't very good they beat Memphis um but they just aren't I don't know Temple we 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 picked Temple I think earlier when we did our AAC power rankings didn't we pick them to be last yep I don't know if that's necessarily like I don't think they're last right now but they're still just not a good team no, they're not. Cl- they're they're better than I guess they should have been, but they're not. Very- I mean, they lost to USF by double digits. USF had not beaten an FBS team in two years. 
I mean, think about that. Think about that. This is the first time, and I'm going to regret saying this so much, it's going to come back to bite me sword. This is, I'm realizing, like, this is literally, like, the first time this season against an FBS team that I'm like, oh, I'm not worried. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. like, yeah, he's just going to go play a game and win. That'll really come back to bite me, I'm sure. That's, no, yeah, that's where I'm having a little bit of, like, uh-oh, sure. Am I getting, like, too comfortable a little bit because, just because Temple, I'm, I'm thinking too lowly of Temple and. I mean, they're not good at football. UCF can't play on the road. I know it's not really a road atmosphere that they're going to have to be worried about, but it's still, <laughs> I don't know if there's just a mental block of not playing inside the bounce house, but. That honestly is why I think they're going to win though. Cause I, it seems like Malzahn and the staff, that's been the big point of emphasis since yeah. last Friday is like, you need to show that you can play well on the road and you can win on the road. This is also like, this road atmosphere is nothing. This like is a good, the, yeah, the this three is a good road one. atmospheres. This is a good one to before. get right with, I think. I mean, come on, they, they, their road atmospheres have been Louisville, Navy, and Cincinnati. Those are all either big or loud stadiums, yeah. and, and Temple is not. Yeah. So I'm they really play. not worried. I'm really not worried about this game. I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for UCF, but yeah. what do I, I w- know? I would hope so. Um, that's the thing. It's like, even – so I think with Memphis, I said this a couple weeks ago, I think that with the ECU game, like, you would have liked to see UCF play better and, and win that game more handily. And then I said down the stretch that I would like to see them, like, the, the games that you expect them to win shouldn't be problems. Like they shouldn't be struggling with these teams. And then I think Temple falls under that category that hopefully they come out, play really well. There's nothing really to be worried about. It's kind of just a breezy game that we haven't really had in a while. I guess Memphis was kind of like that, but there was times early in the game. I was like, okay, Memphis could be hanging around. And then it was just, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a close game as far as scoreboard for Memphis yeah. for a lot of the game, but I mean, they more or less handled them. There yeah, was, was no, just, po- there was, was no point waiting. where they weren't in control of that game. Yeah, I was just waiting for the offense to put it away, and it took a while to do it so. It took longer than we would have liked, so, but it yeah. still happened. So, yeah, but I would like to see UCF do um, do that this weekend against Temple. They have a noon kick on Saturday. I almost said Friday <laughs> on Saturday. It's on freaking um, ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, that's not enjoyable. Um, no, it's really not. Do you want to jump? I, I have to imagine that Temple doesn't have a good production crew for ESPN+. Plus. That just doesn't feel like a <laughs> – I mean, if you don't invest in your football program, I can't imagine you're going to invest in the ESPN+. Plus broadcast. But yeah, So that should be a fun one. But you want to jump into our predictions? Let's do it. You go first. I'm three and eighteen. I got one right last week. I got one right, and also what one did of the you ones. Get, what did you get right last? I week? I got that there was under 950 total yards of offense in the game because there definitely was. <laughs> I forgot that stupid. That was an easy one. All right, whatever. Yeah. Um. Well, then the other one you said that I had was an easy one didn't happen. So, um, that was yeah. Well, mine that you called me out for being easy didn't happen either. Yeah, I know. So, I, I realized that earlier so by a thousand. Funny. So thanks yeah. for that. That one thousand UCF fans that stayed home. I hate all of you, and I hope none of you are listening. Unless you had a legitimate reason, in which case I understand. Yeah. Or it was so just, like you, or... Had, you weren't there. You had a legitimate reason. You weren't even there. Yeah, I had COVID. I had a reason not to yeah. be there. What was your reason? You have a job? Huh. I was talking, about, they were talking to me. I was like, I was there and I no, got thrown up on. No, I'm, um, talking, I'm talking about the 1,000 fans that ruined my prediction. Yeah. So <laughs> my first one is this is one, I guess, that you're not going to like because you said something about it before the podcast that sounded like you weren't going to like it. But got UCF running for more than 225 yards against Temple. And yeah, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it might not happen. It might not, but I'm thinking like because I think people USF ran for um, 421 on them last weekend, and so I'm not saying like oh this is going to be like I don't know UCF doesn't have to run the ball 75 times because UCF USF also ran a bunch of plays they ran a lot of plays, a lot more plays than Temple did, but for the season Temple's allowing 221.1 yards per game on the ground, so I've got UCF going just a little bit above the average of what Temple's allowing. Um, and did you see like the the USF running backs like their stat lines? That yes. contributes to like they were 26, 26 carries for 152 yards and two touchdowns, 14 carries for 126 yards and a touchdown. And then the third guy, 12 carries for 77 yards. And I feel like you've got a healthy Isaiah Bowser. He looked looked even healthier last week than he did against Cincinnati, but went over 100 yards against Memphis. You've got Johnny Richardson. You've got Ryan O'Keefe, who will break off like a 40-yard run at any point, apparently. Um, so I don't know. I feel I feel good about especially, especially too with the way the quarterback situation is playing out right now, like if you're going to be able to lean a little bit more on the run game, like that feels like it's, they feel like you got to go that, that route. I mean, the one thing, like you said that, in, like you literally just said, that's in your favor is I do think there is a really decent chance that Gus's game plan is literally just, we're just going to run the ball. <laughs> I like, like I really, cause if Temple can't stop it, who cares? We yeah. saw that on drive against Memphis. They basically were just like, all right, we're just going to run with Bowser. Memphis couldn't stop. And they were like, Okay, and just did that for the entire this drive. So. Doesn't apply to UCF at all, but we saw it in the LSU Florida game a couple weeks ago. Like LSU ran the same play, like I think oh, I forget how many times it was. It was like fourteen times or sixteen times in the same game. It was just this counter play. Florida couldn't stop it, so like, all right, we're just gonna keep running it. Yeah, they if it ain't broke, for, don't fix it. Yeah, I mean, it's really all there is to it. So I think you could be right. The, my one thing is, it just feels like a lot of people are falling into the football trap where they went, oh, 
last week Temple did this. Yeah. So that's how this week will so gonna happen go. again. And I'm like, you don't think this week Temple's gonna be like, gee, we probably need to work on <laughs> defending against the run. Yeah. Like, so and the and problem they might is just I not think, have the talent for it, but we'll see. I think we'll know pretty early whether or not my prediction is gonna come true or not. I, I'd like say if, by like the end of the like first or second drive. We'll yeah, I was gonna say like answer. if we see if we just see like <laughs> if the first carry of the game, if, if Bowser gets like tripped up for like a gain of one or two, I'm gonna be like, oh no. This is not good. But if he like if the first play of the game he finds a gap and he takes off like 16 yards and be like, all right, I got this. It's over. This feels like a good game for Johnny Richardson to inexplicably fall. That's been happening every now and then. I feel like we'll have that. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say because my, my own prediction for this was almost that Johnny Richard Ron, uh, Johnny Richardson would be the leading rusher, but I didn't R- go that R- Ronnie Richardson. Ronnie Richardson. That's um, a cool name. Uh, actually it's kind of a cool name. <laughs> I, I like for the record, I like Johnny Richardson, but he does have a tendency to sometimes just fall. <laughs> like don't, don't we all like, though? I, I do as well, and I'm not an athlete. I can't remember the last time I fell. Sure I just happening. lose my balance sometimes. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're doing my predictions now. Your or my prediction. prediction. My first one. I am five and 14. Did not have a good week. <laughs> Went 0 and 3. Uh, or 0 and 2, technically, because one is still uh, one is still oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I did, I did a gimme with UCF. will have 40,000 plus fans in attendance. And you jerks. <laughs> like it, like 39,500. Like you can let Christian what? down. Which it was a great crowd and a great atmosphere, at for everyone said, and that's great. I'm not upset with that crowd at all for a Friday night for a three and three team, but like, yeah. guys, what the hell? <laughs> I, I want to, I, I like, if you're listening to this podcast and you were like on the fence about going and decided to stay home, I'm genuinely really upset at you. I'm genuinely thinking if they were like, well, maybe, I'm, maybe I won't go. I'm like, ooh, if I don't go, then maybe Christian will get his prediction wrong. I hope there's one person that did that. They'd be my best friend. I'd be so mad. I, I would be so mad. <laughs> But uh, anyway, and my other prediction was Isaiah Bowser will have multiple touchdowns. That one didn't work out. Um, I don't really know why it didn't. It really should have, um, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then my third prediction was that UCF's going to win five of their last six games. So I got that one right. We just don't know it yet. Um, anyway, my first prediction, get get that score back up. UCF, UCF will win by double digits. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think that's like a total like cop-out prediction because they really have only done that once this year. So yeah. it's not just like this past that's some, week, yeah. You know, yeah. So I, I really don't think this is going to be a stressful game. I, I don't other, see how it can be. In any other year, it would be a total cop-out, but I don't think so. Not this year. Like, this year, I could see them inexplicably struggling with Temple and winning by, like, seven. That, that's, like, this – like, I absolutely could see, like, it, it, this final score is, inexpl- like, randomly, like, 17-7 to 7 or something stupid. Like, I, yeah. I just – you know, hopefully it's not, but – Hopefully not. But anyway, um, that's my first one. Nice, nice and simple. My second one, we're sticking with the offense, and it's that Mikey Keene will finish the game with zero turnovers. Ooh, not nice. something not something that he's done yet this year are, are you just counting like fumbles part of it as well yeah yeah okay. um i don't does he have any fumbles this year i don't think he does i don't either. think he does but he's thrown an interception in every one of his starts he didn't turn the ball over against bethune cookman but i didn't really count yep. that um but he's thrown interceptions in each one of his starts i don't know i feel like both because i think the run game is going to be a heavy part of the game plan and also i just think that he i think they're probably going to sim- they're seeming to simplify things a little bit more for him um with easier throws hopefully his receivers can catch the ball a little bit more because i don't know we didn't really talk about that with the memphis game we haven't like, we haven't talked about that that's a recurring theme this year is the receivers just aren't good and that's been a big part yeah. of the problem and that's where like we we talked about you know keen hasn't really gotten a rhythm but like part of the reason he hasn't gotten a rhythm is one because they keep swapping him out for joey and two is because he's making some nice throws that are just getting flat out dropped hitting just drops like wide open throws i mean it's happened to every game now it's really and, yeah. and also the receivers just aren't getting open like i, I just yeah. there's a lot there's a lot there but there there there's talk as Malzahn said, that Jalen Robinson could be back this weekend. That would be huge. And yeah. that feeds into my next prediction. Go ahead. Oh, I almost made a prediction surrounding this. Mikey Keene will have multiple passing touchdowns. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I just, I told you, I'm going against this whole, I don't buy that it's just going to be UCF running the whole day. I just yeah. don't think it's ever that simple. And I think if Jalen Robinson is back, that's going to dramatically affect the passing game. Oh, so absolutely. I'm guessing that Mikey Keene will have for the first time, no, for the second time, he did against Bethune, multiple passing touchdowns. Did he not do it against Navy? He did it against Navy, didn't he? Is that who I'm thinking of? He didn't do it against Bethune, against the Navy. You're, you're, yeah. you're 100% right. Okay. I got mixed up. I got mixed up. Yeah. J- J- getting Jalen back would be huge. I almost I almost made the prediction, but like I couldn't couldn't feasibly make this prediction because I was just going to be like, oh, my prediction is that Jalen Robinson is going to play and score a touchdown. But like, I don't know Basically anything. what I'm predicting. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't know anything like about his injury. I don't even know like if 100% like they said they're hoping to get him back. We don't really know. So I wasn't going to go out on a limb and do it, do that. Do what but, I just did. Got it. Yeah. No, well, you you said Mikey Keene. He doesn't have to throw two touchdowns to Jalen Robinson. He doesn't, but that prediction was made in the mind of Jalen. Oh, well, yeah. Back. But I don't really buy still, that happening if he's not. Because what I didn't want to happen was say, oh, Jalen Robinson's going to play and score a touchdown, and then Saturday, like, oh, he's not playing. And then there's – That's there fair. That's prediction. fair. I have an out in mind. It can yeah. still happen without Jalen. Okay. Yeah. 
Can it? Um, I don't know. But here's my third one, and I, it's just a repeat from one. Because you remember how you did earlier in the season, you were like, "I'm just going to predict this until it happens," and that was Dylan Gabriel's winning rushing touchdown. Yes. Um, Brandon Adams is going to get his first career interception. He well, almost did. Basically, everybody else yeah. has. So. Well, he. I think there was. I can't remember the play exactly, but I feel like there was one play where he almost came up with it, and I was like, "Oh!" And then wasn't he the first? Wasn't he the one who got it tipped up the first time? Like, should have had it, and then accidentally tipped it in the air, and Devot got it. Did I make that up? Was that someone else? I don't. I don't remember. It was all. I like when we just sort of know what we're talking about. When we do the yeah, no, I don't know. It's weird because, like, especially with me being at the game, a lot of times when players make plays, I can't even tell who it was. That's true. So, um, I could be totally wrong. Maybe I am, but I, no, I know there was there was one play near near the sideline though where he almost like I think he jumped the pass, made a really good play on it, but he almost had the pick. But yeah, just about every other DB got a pick last week. I just think he's been playing really well, and I think eventually he's gonna gonna get one. I agree. All right, Thanks. my final prediction. Okay. UCF's defense. Will hold Temple to 21 points or less. Oh, you're gonna like my score prediction then. Oh, all right. Nice. Yeah, I just their defense is on a tear right now. Uh, outside of Cincinnati, an FBS team hasn't scored a ton of points on them in a while, so I'm feeling good about that one. Yeah, I like it. All right, so just jump right into my score prediction then. Let's do it. Which is uh, UCF 34, Temple 17. And honestly, it's funny that do you have the same one again? No, it, no, oh. I don't. Um, but it's funny because like. For the first time in a long time, when I'm saying like, "Oh, UCF's gonna go at 17 points," I'm like, "That feels like too many points." You're Which crazy, right? Insane. Uh, they'll to think find about. a way. Yeah. My score prediction is 35-17 UCF. Oh my so god! One point <laughs> off. Yeah, I don't know where the 34 really came from. I'm glad we're just it, we've just, we've just got this like this connection we've, now. We've synced just, up. We've synced up. I know it's which great. is not Only a good thing for off. you because I can't get predictions right. And I've been doing bad. I went on two last week. So we'll yeah, see I actually got one. Like, I got one right last week. So my my fortunes are turning around. We're rubbing off on each other in like in the, the worst way and the best. I'm way. feeling really good about a three and a, that's a lie. The Menkehin one won't come true. I'm feeling really good about a two and one week. I'm, I'm um, thinking two and one. I'm feeling really good about an zero and three week probably. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. This is this should be a good win. Should get UCF to five and three before they return home to, to Tulane or to play Tulane. Five and three um, is not a bad record. With no. how the season started. And then with the way this, yeah, you'd think that they could be six and three going into the SMU game. Which, which six and three is just a flat out good record. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. exciting times, we hope. Exciting times. We'll jump into the football news. Uh, Matt Lee was named to the Remington Trophy watch list. Um, some of this is from last week because we recorded last week's podcast on Monday. Um, so some of this is last week, um, including like for Friday night's coin toss, the officials used a special coin that was on a spaceship that went to outer space. The spaceship, the spaceship, and the coin went to outer space. In case that was unclear, <laughs> according to the according to the the referee, um, which is funny because like I didn't I didn't hear that in the stadium. Like I didn't really register. Maybe I did, but I just really read and register. But then Eric DeSalvo posted that um, posted that clip, and I was just losing my mind listening to that yesterday. I so to I heard like it on the broadcast times. when he yeah. said it, and it was kind of just like I'm kind of entering the game. Started, I'm like the hell did he just say like what <laughs> and i stopped thinking about it and then yeah eric desalvo posts it and it's like he just says it's a matter of fact he's like yeah. this coin was on an, a spaceship that went to outer space i'm like thank you for the clarifications <laughs> i really do appreciate it that was great yeah i love that what a guy um so quadri jones has been moved to wide receiver this was made official this week um jason Beatty said he noticed it i think he noticed it a couple weeks ago i was talking to him last week but he noticed it and he said yeah um let me ask us about that and he asked Gus on Monday during his press conference, and he confirmed that, yeah, he's been moved to wide receiver. Um, mentioned that, like, some of that's because of depth and that, I guess, Deontay Marks has been out with an injury and they're dealing with problems. But I, it's weird because I feel like they have a 1,000 receivers on the, the roster. So to have to move a quarterback to receiver. I don't buy that. I don't, yeah. To be honest with you, I don't buy it at all. I think they just moved quite a receiver because he wasn't doing good at quarterback. <laughs> like, yeah, I, they, they, I could be wrong, but I just don't It feels that. more like, yeah, he wasn't going to play at quarterback, so – to give him a chance to maybe get on the field let's which the thing is now that's out there you have to play him uh, like even in garbage time you got to let him try people love quad didn't he uh, yeah and but didn't he mm, that touchdown the trick play touchdown against ecu in 2018 maybe i thought was he, he threw that yeah but was he what was he wider was i thought they threw it to him and then he threw like he lined up pass? yeah probably, it was a that's, pass. that's probably what it, yeah i'm pretty sure that's what happened well let's see that again let's do it again sure yeah save it for smu Let's do a Mikey Joey Quadri lineup. That way they don't know the if they don't know if Mikey's gonna throw it or if Joey's gonna run it or if Quadri's gonna catch it and throw it. I'm telling you, triple option with those three. Why not? If you well, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to not. If you want to use you know. two quarterbacks, why not use three? <laughs> um, 
Devontae Parker Brown. Navarro comes in. Oh, yeah. All right, go ahead. Devontae Brown was named to the AAC Weekly Honor Roll. Uh, he had a big game, seven tackles, a split sack, and an interception against Memphis. Um, as we just alluded to, Gus said on Monday that Jalen Robinson will practice again throughout this week in hopes of playing on Saturday. I guess they said he suited up for practice a couple times last week, but he just couldn't get get going for Friday night's game. Um, hopefully, maybe the extra day will have him feeling better, and he's ready to go by noon on Saturday. Um, and finally, kickoff for next Saturday's game against Tulane at the Bounce House is set for 4 p.m. Um, I forgot the – is that on ESPNU, right? Yeah. Okay, ESPN. ESPNU for that one. So, thankfully, thankfully, no ESPN Plus there for anyone watching from home. Thank God. You know, <laughs> be there, hopefully. Haven't been to home game since uh, Bethune, thanks to wow. COVID. So, that's cool. But yeah, looking crazy. forward to being back for Tulane. Three notable hopefully. things, hopefully. <laughs> Three notable things. Uh, men's soccer, they won 3-0 at Temple on Friday. They're now 8-4, and 6-1 and one in the AAC and first in the conference. Tyler Levine was named AAC Goalkeeper of the Week, while Gino Vivi was named the AAC Weekly Honor Roll. Uh, this is the team's second straight week with top 25 votes. And um, by the time you're listening to this, they will have finished their game against South Florida. Uh, they're playing them at home on Wednesday night. Then they return to the pitch on Sunday uh, at home against SMU. Another big game there. Women's soccer, they won 2-0 at ECU on Thursday and 5-0 at home on Senior Day on Sunday. They're now 8-5-1 and 3-3-1 and and in the AAC. They're 3-3-1 AAC record hasn't been sixth, but like they're probably going to make the tournament because of their non-conference schedule. Like there's a lot of buzz right now about them being in the tournament field. Um, UCF men's soccer took a 1-0 lead over USF. I didn't even realize the game had already started. Yep. Um, Matilde Kack was named the AAC Defensive Player of the Week, while Ariel Young was named the AAC Rookie of the Week. Um, Second straight week for them as well with top 25 votes. Um, again, speaking to their their tough non-conference schedule and some of the big wins they racked up. Uh, their regular season finale is actually Thursday at Cincinnati, and then they have the AAC tournament beginning on Sunday with the first round. Um, volleyball, finally, 3-0 uh, win on Friday at SMU and a 3-0 win on Sunday at Memphis. They're just rolling right along. Uh, they're 16-6, and 9-1 and in the AAC, which is good for first in the conference. McKenna Melville was named the AAC Offensive Player of the Week for the third time in 2021. And they're back uh, on the court Friday versus Tulsa and then Sunday against Wichita State. So a lot going on. Um, good things going on for this week for all both soccer teams and volleyball. So always good to hear that. And Christian, we're on to your uniform of the week. and Space uniforms. Yep. Figure we knew where this was. Going, I don't even know. So. Is there is there even a point to have a conversation? Like obviously, the I don't think uniforms. so. We, we like gave it away like two weeks ago. This was going to be the uniform of the week in two weeks. How so. could they possibly not? First off, it was awesome. I'm still trying to figure out where it ranks in my all time yeah. space uniforms. I it's maybe like a tie for one for me. I really, 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 really liked it. I really did. It grew on me a ton. I don't, but I, I think the big difference, like my big disconnect between the fan base is I don't like, obviously they're all great, but I don't like the 2019 one as much as everybody else does. Oh, I love the 2019 one. See, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's more <laughs> of a wide open spot for number one, but it was really, really nice. It just, I mean, it, like I said, it, it, it re, I said this on the last podcast, there's no reason for me to like repeat it, but I'm gonna repeat it anyway. Like it did such a good job of balancing like so much awesome meaning and like every little detail having a meaning behind it and like a visible meaning. Yeah, And then also just looking really badass as a uniform. Like even if you yeah. didn't know anything about any of the meeting and you're just looking at it on TV. I mean, it looked good. That chrome face mask was freaking awesome. Oh, the pictures they posted of the players uh, coming out of the tunnel with like oh the reflective, my God, those man. Were the reflective trim on the numbers. Yeah. Jeez, they were, that I was... mean, those were top tier. Unif- yeah. Uniswag uniform of the week as well. Yep. Sorry to Oregon splotch uniforms for not getting the top spot. <laughs> Oregon's uniforms. Either. They're like the normal uniforms, but with splotches. We love it. And then but yeah, one thing I do want to mention because this, I didn't have a chance to add this to the outline, but um the the raffle or whatever the, the auction for these space uniforms oh, is kind of different nowadays or now because uh Gus Malzahn figured out I guess that the players would have to buy them or something well, it was like no the, the players weren't even gonna get them because they're gonna get auctioned off so yeah, the players he never like, get them. yeah so he was like I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy them all for you so Gus Malzahn awesome. is buying yeah it's really it's really cool and just another reason like you can tell the players love playing for him they love just the fact that they gave him we didn't talk about that either they gave him um a space uniform after a space jersey yeah. after the win he put it on like they had him up it's just it's in my it's actually my header photo is him just like his arms raised wearing his space jersey that's super tight um, i just i really think him deciding to buy the players the jerseys was spontaneous because the video did not look planned it looked like yeah. he just realized they didn't get them i was like well i'll buy them because then there's yeah. even a pause where they're clearly trying to figure out if it's some kind of ncaa violation yeah and, and he, he goes, comes back he goes, and goes if like, yeah i'll do it if I, he goes if i if, if i can buy them i'll buy them um, it's a lot of money 
I mean, yeah. Auburn, owes, Auburn owes him another 2.4 million here in yeah. a couple months. So I think he's doing okay. Because then he joked after he was like, yeah, I'll buy him. I'll, like everyone like cheered or whatever. He goes, how much are they? And everyone like laughed. So, it's a lot of money. Yeah, the starting bid was 450. I think so. But I, I imagine that's like a big moneymaker for UCF. So I hope I, I, I can't imagine he's just going to pay starting bid. They're probably going to be like, can you have yeah, like 600 know. or something? Yeah. I don't know what we'll yeah. the financials on that, but I'm curious now. Cause like, yeah, it is a, they are like, if, yeah, that's something that makes them a lot of money. So yeah, so I, I, it would suck if got like 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 maybe that's like, like a very maybe Mahajer and Gus are gonna bid each other. It's like, yeah, it's a very up, it's knows? a very nice gesture from Gus, and I don't know if he realizes how expensive of a gesture it is. Like again, he can he can handle it, but also like it's just funny because he's he's putting all this money in now to just give give him these again, money, which I've we always say thought. oh it's a lot of money again. At yeah. the end of the year, he gets two point four million dollars from Auburn. At the yeah. end of next year, he also gets $2.4 million <laughs> from Auburn. At the this end of the true. year after that, he also gets $2.4 million from Auburn. And that's not even counting the two-plus million he's getting from UCF or the $10.7 million he got from Auburn lump sum up front yeah. when he got fired. So he's like, got, he's got like it's a money. big purchase, but like he's he's going to be okay. He's yeah. going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. He won't he won't be um, scraping like the bottom of the, the barrel at like a thrift store or anything to get his clothes or anything. He's fine. He, he's okay. he's going to be okay. Yeah. He's going to be all right. So with the Space Uniform winning Uniform of the Week, Football has won five times now. Um, they're back they're probably going to win next week too. If I'm being honest, with they're you. back within three of men's soccer, who has eight. Men's soccer very aesthetically is like pleasing right now. Is that they've won eight times, and four of them are for the pewter Pegasus kits, and then four for the blackouts. I like. They're that. honestly they're screwed because I wanted to give um the blackout ones a win soon again because I haven't given those a win in a while. I I like them a lot, but yeah. Uh, I have to write my trip after this, and the uniform, UCF uniform for this coming week is very good. You'll probably know it by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, unless um, you're listening to it. Unless, unless you're an early listener to the pod. Unless you're an if, early if listener, case, you'll probably know it. We really it. appreciate you. That, like, you're like, when this pod drops, if you're like, ooh, time to listen. That makes we me that makes it. me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I like that. <laughs> I like that people care about what we have to say. I know. It's great. I don't know sometimes, why they because we're yeah, wrong. Sometimes it makes time, no but... sense to me. I'm like, people actually listen to this? Um, but I don't like, <laughs> it's I guess... truly fascinating to me this podcast has been successful. Really well, what's is. funny to me is like, I just said, people actually listen to this at a point in the podcast where like probably no one's listening anymore. So. <laughs> no, it's not as bad. Like it, we, like we, I exaggerate. Like we probably like, up like 15 to 20% listen to the, listen past your, uh, past your news. So <laughs> it makes you feel any better at all, but. It's not, and... I'll show you the graph. It basically, it's like a, it's a pretty solid line. Like you lose a couple here and there as it goes on. Then you're like, and then we're going to get get into three notable things. It's like, whoosh, yeah, you guys, you guys don't care about non-football. Sports, yes, they do. The is... ones listening to you now care. Oh yeah. So you guys care. Thanks for caring. Really appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's get out of here. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for being with us. Um, we'll be back next week with episode 43. Um, hopefully have a UCF win over Temple to talk about before we preview yeah, we against Tulane. Uh, until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.